the book of Jonah. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand and we can put one in your hand. If you have your Bible, I'm just reading verses 1 to 3. So a very short little intro here. And tonight's mostly an intro to the book, uh, but also we'll look at a few points um, from these first three verses as well. Jonah chapter 1, starting with verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. From the presence of the Lord, he went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again just for the privilege to worship you. We praise your name. We praise it in song. We praise it, Lord, in word. And now in your word, we praise you that your word, uh, Lord, is forever settled. And Lord, we pray that you'd settle something in our hearts tonight from your word, that your spirit would move. Lord, remove all the cares and the distractions that would be in this room. Lord, just remove anything the enemy would use to distract. Fill us with your presence, your spirit. Speak to us. Lord, may this be a strengthening, encouraging time in your word. And we pray that we'll leave here more in love with you than we came. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Now, just about everyone knows the basic storyline of the book of Jonah. Is anyone here doesn't know the basic storyline of the book of Jonah? If not, we can bring the kids in. They can tell you the basic storyline. But it goes something like this. You probably know this. We have a guy that's given by God a job to do. It's a difficult job. He doesn't want to do it. He tries to get away from God and the job. Then he gets on a ship. He gets thrown off the ship. He gets swallowed by a large fish or a whale. He spends three days inside of this sea creature. He cries out to God for help and forgiveness in the darkness. Then the fish or the whale regurgitates him at something most humans have never gotten to be part of a regurgitation, right? He's regurgitated back onto dry land. Then he hikes his way all the way to the place he was supposed to go in the first place, which is Nineveh. He then does the job he's supposed to do in the first place. Then he sits and waits and hopes for God's judgment to fall on Nineveh, only to see perhaps the greatest revival in the history of the world. We don't know, but it's certainly, it's certainly in the top five or so, if it's not number one. The, the other ones maybe we're not, aren't recorded, but this one is. And then we see that Jonah is really bummed out when God is this gracious towards him. That's the, that's the book in a nutshell. You say, well, that's, does that sound to you what you remember? The whole story in 90 seconds or so. That's it right there. So we can be done. You're done. Close your books. Let's go home. Yeah. But there's a lot more to learn from this, um, not just from Jonah, but really to learn about ourselves. Because whenever you see characters in the Bible, we see them, but we should see ourselves in them. Our faith, our fears, our motives, our real desires. Jonah got some things right, didn't he? He got some things right. 
He saw two amazing miracles. First, the preservation of his own life inside a whale. I've been on cruise ships and stuff. I never did it under uh, the sea in a whale. I wouldn't even want to be on a submarine, much less inside a whale. But nevertheless, I mean, two great miracles, the uh, preservation of his own life. Then the repentance of one of the world's most wicked places with just a simple sermon, perhaps a one-sentence sermon. You know, when we get to it, he just says, repent in 40 days, you'll be destroyed. That's his, that's his sermon. I wish I could teach that little bit and it be that effective. Amazing, he, he'll, end up teach, he'll end up giving that message, not wanting to give it, not even wanting them to understand or believe it, and it's incredibly effective. This tells you that the power of God is never about us, is it? It's always outside of us. Jonah's going to learn that too. By the way, this little book has a lot in common with what we've been studying the past two weeks in Hebrews chapter 3. It even has a 40-day reference. His message is repent for in 40 days. Remember we talked about the number 40 being so significant uh, in uh, our study Sunday. But God has called us to believe His Word. And calling, and His call, and not only His Word, but His calling on our life, and to go and serve Him in whatever He asks of us. Israel was to go to the Promised Land. Jonah was to go to Nineveh. Both refused, right? So that's the similarity. You say, well, I'm not seeing the similarity other than the 40. No, there was a, God says, I want you to go to the Promised Land. They were afraid. God said, I want you to go to Nineveh. I don't want to go to Nineveh. We have some similarities. We know what God said, and then we have the response. It's not the response that God was desiring. At various commands and crossroads of the Lord, we may have to wrestle in this room you might come to crossroads in your life where you have to wrestle with some unbelief. Did you know that? I'm a believer. I, no, no, we, you, you'll find that you'll wrestle with, do I really believe this or not? We, you'll have to wrestle sometimes with rationalizing a response that feels more comfortable than what we know is the right thing to do. Does that sound more familiar? We rationalize a different response. Well, I, I'm not... I know i got 10 verses that say it, but I'm not sure. I need, I need at least 100. Jonah had apparently been serving well. I mean, it, God didn't kind of come and find some uh, renegade you know, guy that wasn't serving him at all. Jonah had apparently been serving well, and then comes chapter 1. Right? You can be serving well, and then God brings a chapter one to your life, right? Where he, he says, all right, now you've passed this test, this test, this test, this test. Now I want you to do this. And all of a sudden, you balk. Maybe we saw that Sunday, the children of Israel. They were, oh, all right, we, we'll, we'll make the next step. But promised land, uh-uh, too many giants, too many, too many this, too many that. Let's stone Moses and find a new leader. Uh, but Jonah, chapter 1 comes, and his failures, of course, are documented in this book. But I think guys like Jonah, you think about his attitude, Peter putting his foot in his mouth, Thomas, called Doubting Thomas, I think these guys often take more criticism than they deserve. If you study their life and you study, well, our own. Especially not, a, not from the Lord. I don't think the Lord gives them more criticism than they deserve. God's perfect. He can give as much criticism as, as, criticism as He wants. 
But as it relates to our own faithfulness, our own obedience, if we look in the mirror, it's hard to look in the mirror for us and say, I'm going to unload on how unfaithful Jonah is or Peter. Peter died upside down on a cross. I mean, uh, how many of us could say that? Well, we haven't died yet, but uh, <laughs> would we have that kind of courage? He did. He didn't at first, but he, he gained that kind of faith and courage. After all, all of these men that I just mentioned, they did great things for God. We're fully devoted to ministry, fully devoted to service of the Lord. They have some failures. And then they're recorded forever in the Bible. Do you know that these recorded, uh, recordings will still be there even when we get to heaven? The scriptures will still be there forever. Their failures are here. But I don't think Jonah or the other partial failures, if you want to call them that, care one bit. I don't think Peter and them care in heaven. Do you? That their fa- failures are mentioned? No, they're, they're with the Lord. I don't think they care at all. They're with the Lord now. They're perfected now. And if their struggles... And if they're working out of their faith, help us, I'm fairly certain they're good with being case studies that we can observe, which is exactly what we're doing in the study of any book. So our goal in this series is to learn from Jonah, to see our own resistance areas torn down. We probably have some. I know we have some resistance areas in our own life. To face our own areas of delay, or disobedience, to face our own fears when God puts something in our hearts or on our plates that we don't really want to do. And lastly, to appreciate the amazing grace of God towards us, like we'll see towards Jonah, and those who don't know God, like Nineveh. Grace is given on both ends, isn't it? If you're taking notes... Uh, the title of tonight's Time in the Word, the series is Lessons from Jonah, but tonight is The Wrong Direction. And we'll take a few minutes to look at these first three verses. Uh, but before we do, a few other interesting insights and background items to point out. Jonah's name. I don't know if you've ever thought about what his name means or ever heard what his name means. Jonah's name means dove. Dove means what? Peace. So his name can mean dove or peace. They're synonymous with his name. God had prepared him from birth to bring a message of peace to a society of violence and wickedness. And Jonah didn't want to bring that message, did he? Now this is very interesting because Jonah serves as a forerunner to Christ in a few respects. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Not just that they're both their name starts with J, but uh, Jonah serves as a forerunner to Christ in a few respects, albeit a very flawed one and a reluctant one. Jonah, like Jesus, was from Galilee, just north of Nazareth. Jesus was from Nazareth. He was just north of Nazareth. Uh, Which, by the way, the Pharisees were completely wrong in John uh, John 5.52 when they said no no prophet had ever risen out of Galilee. They were wrong because Jonah was first and Jesus was second. Jonah was the only prophet 
that Jesus actually likened himself to. That Jesus said, like the ministry of Jonah, he likened himself, of all the prophets, he likened himself to Jonah. And, of course you know some of the other similarities, he spends how many days in the fish? Three. Jesus spends three days in the darkness of the grave. Jonah, three days in the darkness of the fish's belly, or the whale. Jonah, Jesus, Jesus has a way better story on this one. Jonah is thrown up. Jesus raises himself up. Jonah means peace. Jesus is the prince of peace. So we do, we see these uh, parallels, albeit a lower version. A forerunner is just a picture. It's, a, it's telling you, hey, this is coming. Jesus wants to bring a message. Jesus deeply desired to bring a message of hope and deliverance. But then Jonah doesn't want to bring the message of hope and deliverance. So you actually have uh, a complete opposite there. Jesus being the better prophet the holy prophet, the more compassionate prophet. So as Moses and Joshua were forerunners to Christ and they were types, so is Jonah with Jesus being the perfect prophet and the grace-filled prophet, compassionate prophet. In Matthew 21, 11, the people said, the multitude said of Jesus, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. And Jonah was from just north of Nazareth, as I mentioned. Uh, one other item of note, this book is thought of by some scholars as also Jonah being a type of Israel. A type of Israel, why? Uh, well, Jonah being a type of Israel because he is Jewish and he's sent to be a light to the Gentiles, that Israel had the task of sharing the message of God with the Gentiles, but as you probably have seen many times, many times the Jewish people, uh, you know, especially like the Pharisees, Jesus come, they didn't want Gentiles to know God. And Jonah had the, had the light but didn't want to share the light. And so uh, some see this as a type of Israel. But lastly, uh, this is the only book in the Old Testament, or the only book in the Tanakh, or the Law and Prophets, the only book in the Old Testament that deals exclusively with a Gentile nation. The whole book is Jonah dealing with a Gentile nation. He's never in the book dealing with Israel like the other prophets. So a small book, but it's loaded with things that we can learn and things that we can apply. So aside from the overview I just want to take our remaining minutes to look at what transpires in verses 1 through 3 and how this speaks to us. Verse 1 again, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying in verse 2, Arise, go to Nineveh. The first word of the words to the Lord, of the, of the words of the Lord to Jonah were what? Arise. That's the first word. Whatever Jonah was doing, whether he was studying, whether he was preparing, whether he was serving, it was time on God's clock for him to be ready. Whatever God's will was, whatever God's plan was, if God says arrive, it, he, he needed to be ready. 
ask you a question. Are we ready to be called up to the next thing that God wants to do in our life or wants us to do on his behalf? Are we answering that, let's say this, those things God's already called us to, are we already doing them? I mean, Jonah hadn't been called to Nineveh yet, but was he doing what he'd already been called? I believe he had. I believe he was at that time. I believe he was doing what God had called him to do. I believe that, you know, I can look at times in my life, I'm doing exactly what the Lord's called me to do, and then I said, all right, I want you to do this next. I, I didn't plan on being a pastor. I was serving in other capacities within the church, men's ministry, teens, just different things. And God says, all right, this is what I want you to do now. Are we answering what we've already been called to that we would be ready uh, for whatever God calls us to next? We're called to be disciples. Everyone in this room is called to be a disciple. Everyone. There's not a single person. Everyone except for you guys right here. You are called to be the best Christian couch potatoes we could ever find. No. Everybody's called to be a disciple. To be taking those steps of daily obedience. It's highly unlikely we're going to obey God when he asks for something that really uh, is outside of, in our minds, our capacity. If we're not being daily obedient, growing day by day. And we're called to go day by day and be a witness for the Lord. To be a light wherever you go. To be a light in your workplace. To be a light in your vocation, or just wherever you're at. The Lord has already called us to go daily and just to keep being that light and representative envoy or ambassador for the Lord. But as we arise daily, then we're more ready for whatever God may direct in our life. May direct something completely new that you're not expecting. And for Jonah here, God calls him to what was a very unlikely Move. Just imagine you're Jonah. Faithful Jewish person. He's well aware that Assyria has been marauding across the world, just trampling everybody underfoot. I mean, you talk about a barbaric people. The way they would torture those that they captured, you don't want to hear the descriptions of it. You can go read if you want. They weren't Jewish. They certainly weren't followers of the God of Israel. They weren't nice at all. You ever seen the VeggieTales version? They're fish slappers. And, 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 the the VeggieTales really kind of dumbs it down for the kids. I mean, you wish they were just fish slappers. So, I mean, that would, be, that would be a lot better. They'd slap you with fish. They did a lot more than that. So the Lord says, Arise. Okay. At first, he's like, All right, rise. I'm rising. Go to, all right, here it comes. Here it comes. Hebron. Jerusalem. (laughs) Somewhere. Nineveh. Can you imagine the impact? He has no idea that word is about to come out of the mouth of the Lord. Go where? How would we react? He's told to get up and go to Nineveh. Don't delay. Don't think about it. Don't even need to pray about it. Why? Because prayer is talking to God, and God just told him. 
Where to go? Don't need to pray about it. God just verbally told him exactly what to do. On the difficulty scale, when you get told to go to Nineveh, on the difficulty scale, it would be akin to uh, God telling us to rise and go to North Korea. Can you imagine? How do you even get in? By the way, if God sends you to get in, you'll get in. <laughs> but but you, would, you would say, even if I wanted to go, how in the world would I get in? It's a locked country. From a danger perspective, I should say, going to somewhere like North Korea, from a anything goes hedonistic, it'd be like, go preach in the middle of Vegas, which calls itself Sin City. Nineveh was one of the two most important cities of the ancient Assyrian Empire. The other where you get the name Assyria is Assur, A-S-S-U-R. So two cities, and they're both today in modern Iraq. Uh, the empire lasted 300 years. You know, Americans that kind of, you know, don't seem to understand history and understand the Bible, one of the reasons why we're certainly ripe for judgment is other countries have lasted longer than us. Rome, Syria, right? 300 years plus, for, or 300 years for one, 300 years plus for both. I mean, we're not, um, we're not immune, but they were a ruling power. They were the largest empire in the world at that time. And the city was certainly one of the largest cities in the world at that time. But an intimidating city, a daunting city, a wicked city, a vile city, a perverse city, violent city, dangerous city. So you know, Jonah's here, all right, arise, I'm here. Where are we going? Nineveh. What? Has God, has he no understanding of what is there? Renowned for its wickedness and brutality. It was, it was Sodom and Gomorrah, only larger than Sodom and Gomorrah, much larger than Sodom and Gomorrah, and far more dangerous and far more violent. And Sodom and Gomorrah was a rough place, as Lot found out when the angels came to visit him, right? And everyone pressed against. The ten northern tribes, uh, you, you know that we've talked about this in previous studies, Israel eventually split after Solomon. You had the ten tribes to the north, and then you had the two tribes of Judah and Benjamin to the south. And one is the kingdom of Judah, and the other is the northern kingdom. The other Judah also was called the southern kingdom. But the ten tribes fell first. They, the judgment fell on them first. And who did judgment come through? Assyria. Assyria the Assyrian Empire comes down and just waylays the ten tribes, carries all those... Now, this hasn't happened yet. This will happen. But Jonah, probably being a spiritual man, is aware that if judgment can come, it's probably going to be Assyria. So why in the world, Lord, would you send me to Nineveh? Nineveh, he's told to arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. By the way, you know that you'll actually get there because God said, cry out against the city. That's in the message. God says, you'll, you'll actually get to the city. Now, Jonah's like, that part I'm good with. What happens after I speak? Right? <laughs> I may get there, but it may be the last place I get to. But Nineveh's to the north and east of Israel by about 500 miles. I'll put up a map in just a couple of minutes, but 
Uh, it's by, uh, so you're standing there in the northern part of Israel. It's to the northeast, 500 miles. So if Jonah does in fact arise and go, he's to go north and east as God commanded. So what does he do? Verse 3, Jonah rose. He did arise. That part he got right. He did arise. He, like I said, he was, he was like, all right, where are we going? God's Nineveh, he goes, whoa, I got, where's my bags? Got a passport. He arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship in Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So what does he do? Whatever his reason, he decides to go to a port city on the Mediterranean called Joppa. Taking notes, second point, stepping down. He was called up, but he's stepping down. Instead of going, he flees. Which is to do what? Which is to run away, to flee, as opposed to go. If you're told to go, you don't think, that, you don't think of that term as flee, because it's not. To flee is a different, different term. It's to run away instead of moving towards. To go is to move in the right direction. To flee is to go the opposite, to run away. And he sets his sights on Tarshish. We'll take a look at the map in just a second where Tarshish was. Instead of Nineveh, notice the rest of the sentence in verse 3. Again, he flees from the presence of the Lord down to Joppa, down into the ship, away from the presence of the Lord. Anytime we disregard the instructions of the Lord, we've moved away from His presence. Think about it in our life. Anytime we disregard the instructions of the Lord, we've moved away from His presence. It's in small things. The Lord says, I want you to pray. Well, I don't want to pray. You're moving away from the presence of the Lord. Now, I know we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that, that, that you lost your salvation when you didn't pray. That's not... It. We're told to be what? Filled with the Spirit. Now we know we have the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit means that we are actively staying in the presence of the Lord. Jesus said to do what? Abide in me. What would be the opposite of abiding in him? Getting farther away from him, right? If I say, hey, stay in the car, and I come back, and you're a mile down the road, you did not abide. Uh, I just thought I'd just run an errand real quick. And I, this was really important because I had, you know, whatever it may be. Anytime we disregard the instruction of the Lord, we've moved away from his presence. So Jesus said, abide in me. Stay close to me. My sheep hear my voice. Right? So we have to stay in the presence of the Lord. And that requires obedience to the Lord. I want you, I want you to read your word. I want you to pray. I want you to Share me with others. I want you to serve. I want you to forgive. But if we say, I'm not going to do that, a lot of people take just that one. I'm not going to forgive. Just that one right there. I'm not going to forgive. I will not forgive. You cannot be in right standing with God holding unforgiveness. Jesus, you're going to have to go make things right with your brother first, then come back and serve me. But you're moving away from the presence of God if there's unforgiveness and bitterness towards someone you are, even in this room. I'm here on a Wednesday night. That couldn't possibly be true. Yes, even if you're here on a Wednesday night. We're moving away from the presence of God if we have ignored and disregarded His instruction. We cannot be in fellowship and harmony with God 
and at the same time be in purposeful disobedience. Now, there are things, thankfully, that we so, we're so complex. There, in this room, there's probably some area that every single one of us are in disobedience, and we don't even know about it. That's covered by God's grace. But then he spotlights it, and now the rules have changed, right? Now he says, all right, now I'm showing you that. That was when you were a little less mature last week or two years ago. Now I'm showing you that it's time to straighten that up. I be, again, I believe Jonah was in the right harmony with God, and God says, all right, now comes a bigger test of your faith, of your obedience. Jonah's called to go up, but he goes down. First, he goes down to Joppa. Let's take a look at the map. Why? Because I love maps. Um, and hopefully, I told you that last week, I love maps, and hopefully you will love them too. Uh, this hopefully gives you some understanding. So Jonah here, I can't hit both screens at the same time, but we can hit one at a time. Jonah here, um, he is from Gath Heifer. Great name for a city. If you're looking for, these were you know real names of people, Gath Hyphen Heifer. So those of you that might have children again, you, both names are available, Gath and Heifer. You can go for either of those. So this is, Jonah's from there, which is again just north of Nazareth. He's just north of Nazareth uh, from Galilee, just like Jesus for, uh, foreshadow or type there, if you will. He's told to go to Nineveh. You can see the direction is northeast. Uh, actually, Joppa is a straight line southeast. It's not just the opposite, it's the exact opposite direction. It is with a proverbial 180, right? You know, 180 is to go the complete opposite direction. So he's supposed to go here. None of us can really blame him, right? How many of you would love to go to Nineveh at that time? And say, uh, I don't think. I think probably his fr friends and family said, yeah, you, you should go to Tarshish. <laughs> you should not. This is one, you've obeyed a lot. This, you've, you have a lo long list of obedience. You're good. You, you can get away with this one. But can you? No. Won't get away with the disobedience no matter what. So he's sent there. He goes down to Joppa, and he finds a ship. He goes down to Joppa. Um... Whenever we resist the Lord, we're headed down. He goes down to Joppa. We're not just headed away, we're headed down. If we're stepping away from God, we're going down. And people say, well, I don't really need to go to church that much anymore. I've learned everything that possibly is learned because I've been going for, for years. So I don't really need to go that much. You're going down. Eventually you'll go down. You're already going down. Jonah was going down, even he wasn't thinking he was going. He was literally going down uh, vertically, down southern as far as you know, the direction, but he was going down spiritually as well. He was going to go down a, th a third time all the way down into the sea. So his down, down, down is a stair step down. And that's the way people generally walk away from the Lord. They stair step down. I used to go to church all the time. Then I started going twice a month. Then I go once a month. Then I go once a quarter. Now I don't go at all. Right? And that's just one example. Well, I used to share my faith a lot. Then I, heard, then I share it like a little bit. Now I never share at all. 
I used to pray a lot, and I prayed a lot less, 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 finally, zero. It's a stair step down. So he goes down, and if we're going down, the enemy will always have, as he does here, there's a ship there. The enemy will always have a ship or some vehicle waiting to take us further away from God and further down. The enemy, I have a ship waiting for you. What are the chances of that? So it goes to Joppa. Now Tarshish, where is it? Tarshish was on this outer, you've got to go through the Straits of Gibraltar, and Tarshish was on the Atlantic side of Spain. Personally, and it's just, uh, I believe Tarshish, now Tarshish was a city, and that, that was considered to be the other part of the world. Tar, if you got through the Straits of Gibraltar and you got to that part of Spain facing the Atlantic, you were not only no longer in the Mediterranean, you were now fo- facing a bigger sea, because the Atlantic Ocean is even much bigger than the Mediterranean. So that sea gave way to a massive sea, and they had no idea what was on the other side of that. So that was considered like going to the end of the world. If the world was flat, which the Bible says it's a sphere anyway, so there's no, you know, twice the Bible says God sits above the circle of the earth. So uh, I believe that Jonah and people then did not think it was flat. That came in the dark ages when it started. But if it really was, if people really thought that, then that would be the slope off somewhere over there. I also believe that in the book of Ezekiel, this is kind of a side note, uh, where it says Tarshish and the young lions. I personally believe that Tarshish, uh, because it's on the Atlantic side, becomes inclusive to the writer in Ezekiel of that part of the Atlantic, which would include the British Isles and things like that, even though it is a specific city, it also, in the minds of kind of writers and others, other scholars have, have proposed before, that it may also include kind of other areas on that side of the Atlantic, which would be like the British Isles and Ireland. But it specifically was a place in Spain that faced, you know, you had to get through the Straits of Gibraltar to get there. So, uh, at at minimum, Jonah's like, What's, where's the farthest I can get away from Nineveh? They said, we're going to Tarshish. He goes, perfect. God can't find me in Tarshish. That's, his, that's far enough. If he, he cannot find me there. No one will even know where I'm at. So that's where he's headed. But he's going down. And so he, the enemy has a ship prepared, and Satan always will have some something ready for you to help get you going in the opposite direction of the Lord. And, it, and Now, the devil didn't make him do it. <laughs> this, is, this is Jonah. This is his flesh. This isn't the enemy. And when we uh, step away from God, the devil didn't make us do it. It's our flesh. It's not the enemy. It's ourself. But he will, if you're, if you're sliding, he will grease the sleds. Right? He'll make sure, hey, you, you, you're going, uh, you know, I'll make it even easier, more convenient. Americans love convenience. Convenient. Not only that, it says, so he paid the fare. Satan will not only gladly direct you in the opposite direction, but he'll make you pay along the way. He'll make you pay the fare. You'll pay the freight, so to speak. You will pay the piper, so to speak. He had to pay the fair, his flesh is going to pay. And you, when you sit inside the belly of a whale, 
you can imagine what the acids and everything are going to do. You're going to pay a price, more than just the fare, you're going to pay for this trip to say no to the Lord. Notice that one step just continues to lead to another. People often say, you know, again, he pays the fare and went down into it, away from the presence of the Lord. People will often say, if you've been a Christian any length of time, you know, you've probably heard this over the years. Sadly, I've talked to people in counseling or talked to them, I've heard these exact words, I don't know how I got this low. You ever heard those words? Or you heard someone else uh, maybe heard a third party, I don't know how I got this low. And people will really say, I, I don't know how this happened. We always slide lower and drift farther. There's always a Tarshish out there that the enemy wants to take us that far away from the Lord. Jonah goes down to Joppa, down again, and he'll go down again one more time into the water. We're not in that passage yet. But, but even further from the presence, and what does it mean to go from the presence of the Lord? It's away from the conviction of the Lord. When you're right with God, you don't want to leave the presence of God. You want Him convicting you. You want Him talking to you. You want Him, here it is, correcting you. Do you like to be corrected by the Lord? I don't mean, I didn't mean, you know, judged. I'm talking about corrected. You want to be in the presence of the Lord. You want the conviction of God. But he doesn't want the conviction of God. He wants to get away from the voice of God. Um, you've heard it said, and if you read the Scriptures, you've seen it verified, not just here, but throughout the Scriptures. But you've heard this statement, the safest place in the world is in the presence of God's will. Now that really is true. But do we really believe that? That's the point. That is true. We know that the Scriptures are clear. That is the safest place, but do we believe that that's the safest place? We believe, here's, what, here's what I've come to think. You know who we believe it for? Bible characters. <laughs> we believe for Bible characters, the safest place is in the center of God's will. But that's for Bible characters. Bible-believing Christians, not really true, but Bible characters... Jonah, come on, man. Why would you do that? David, go ahead and take on Goliath. Moses, go ahead and run up to Pharaoh. Just, just point your finger and tell him. Bible characters, we say, those people, they are safe. But then God says, all right, you believe in the Bible character? Now I got one for you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, Lord, I believe in her flannel graphs. That's a 70s thing, right? You know, so. We don't do that anymore. They get digital images now. But you know, back in the set, you plop it up on a flannel graph and say, Bible characters, they are the ones that are in the safe place. Daniel, why were you even afraid to go on the lion's den? I would have strolled right in. Daniel's like, all right, come on back in time and let's let, let's let you go through this. Right? But what about us? Do we really believe that God's will is a safe place? Um, it's, my good buddy and mentor and Sam Nadler, he's coming back in September. I uh, just verified he'll be back with us. I think it's the, it's the second Sunday in September, but he'll be back sharing with us. Uh, but he, he's, he says faith is always against the backdrop of fear. Faith is always against the backdrop of fear. That God, if it requires faith, 
it's going to require something you can't see or something you can't comprehend of, I, Lord, I just don't know how this will work. God math. Things like that. Now, in Jonah's case, he's been believing God for his ministry up until this point, but now he's flat out running from God as far as he can get away. As far as he can get away. He's just like, look, Lord, this is just too much. And we don't really know at this point a lot about, some people will, will say that he never wanted you know, to preach to the people in Nineveh that he always wanted. I don't, we don't know that that was his thinking here. That right now it might be just pure fear. He might also not want to preach that. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly what was going on in his head. But we can take some educated guesses of what would be going on in our heads, right? If we were given this task. And for me, it'd be several things. I, I could count the list. I'm like, I, I could agree with some of this. But, but then again, God is above us. So we're not supposed to follow our feelings. We're just walk by faith. The Lord says, this is what I want you to do. And I will take care of of the results. Dr. Charles Stanley has been saying for years, trust God with the results. Trust God with the results. Trust God with the results. Just do what he says and trust him with the results. Little things lead to big things. If you can trust him with the little things, then you'll see that, all right, I can take these next steps. Trust him with the results. But in Jonah's case, he's flat out running from God as far as he can get. But you can't outrun God, can you? He's not going to get anywhere near Tarshish. Uh, something along these lines is going to take place. I have a little dotted line. Can you see the red dotted line? Yeah, the ship's going to get out there somewhere, whoop, right back to the coast. We'll get nowhere near Tarshish, and he will be given a U-turn. Aren't you glad God gives U-turns? I've taken a few U-turns in my life. Now, this one is like the old switch U-turn. You know? <laughs> Kids run this, parents come out. He's going to get... Well, he's going to get paddled into a U-turn, if you will. Literally, literally, like not paddling the water, but you know what I mean. He's going to get chastened, but whom the Lord loves, he what? Chastens. Lord loves us enough to tell us, this is what I want for your life. And he certainly chastens us, but as we learn from those who have gone before us, as I said on Sunday, uh, I'm glad that we have the testimony of things like Hebrews chapter 3, which points back to Psalm 95, which points back to the book of Numbers. We don't have to learn every lesson through the school of hard knocks. We can learn a lot of them by other people say, well, you know, they already learned that. So let me obey, trust and obey, for there's no other way that, uh, that we can learn from those who have gone before. And it may it be that by doing that, we're chastened less. We'll still be chastened but we'll be chasing less and walking more with the blessing and the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. And that's our goal for going through the study. Amen? And we're chasing less, but walking more often in the power that Jonah will see when he gets to Nineveh that would have been there from the outset. And a lot of times we've missed the power and the blessing and the anointing that God wants to give us because we're hemming and hawing. So I pray that uh, as we continue in this study, uh, that the Lord will uh, remind us, trust me with the results. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your faithfulness, for your goodness. Lord, we know Jonah's with you in heaven. 
Yes, his failures are recorded, but, but I believe that he would gladly, even if he was to share with us, share all of his flaws that we would learn and maybe avoid some of these mistakes. And Lord, even now, if there's any disobedience or any resistance in us in any area, Lord, show us where it is, and Lord, may we, by faith, obey you. And whatever it is you're asking us to do, whether it's finances, whether it's forgiveness, whether it's sharing our faith, whether it's uh, getting up earlier and praying, whatever it may be, Lord, whatever it is, we pray that you would uh, just continue to be gracious, but we would be humble and obedient in response. And we just thank you for this time in your word. Bless as we head back to our homes, wherever we're going, keep everybody safe on the way uh, to not only their homes this evening, but throughout the rest of this week. And let us be your lights and witnesses wherever we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.